0: Thanks for listening to the Collective Church Podcast. Collective is a church for the rest of us, which means if you have never been to church, walked away from church, or are struggling to find a church to connect with, you belong here. As of March 7th, you can join us in person on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. at our new church home at 5103 Pegasus Court. You can also continue to watch online on Facebook or through the Church Center app. Either way, we hope you join us. Now, let's check out Sunday's message. About a year ago, I introduced Elise, my five-year-old, to the hot and cold game. Ray had given her a bunch of bouncy balls, and Elise asked me to throw them into the yard so she could go out and try to find them. The problem was that they were so small that they disappeared in the grass. So while she was looking for one, I said, you're getting hotter, hotter, burning hot. And then she started sprinting in the complete opposite direction I was in, that the ball was in. So I started yelling. You're freezing. You're Antarctica. You're a snowman. And when she heard that, she started moving back toward the ball. Warmer, warmer, hot, hotter. You are on the surface of the sun. She was standing right on top of it. But again, she started to walk away. I said, At least you were literally on fire. What are you doing? And then she looked up at me and said, Dad, I don't know what you're talking about. And it was in that moment that I realized that I failed her as a parent because she had never actually played the hot and cold game before. To her, I was just shouting out random things that were hot and cold. And while I was doing that, she was thinking, I don't want to be as hot as the sun, and I don't want to be frozen like a snowman. So what she was trying to do is she was trying to find the middle, which was the safest. And isn't that what we often do when it comes to our faith? Do you guys see that coming? (laughs) That's good, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Last week we started this series called Stop Going to Church, and one of my friends called me and asked, he said, what if people actually stop going to your church? And I laughed and I said, I guess they were looking for a perfect church and didn't find it here. Either that or they love Duncan. So we kicked off this series, and I told you all last week that my hope for you is that you take a next step, that the goal is to help you to get from being in a place of lukewarm in your faith to a place of being literally on the surface of the sun. Really, this series is to challenge you to move away from the middle and to a place where church and faith are not a passive part of your life. They're not time fillers on slow Sundays. They're not something you do because your parents make you, but something that you have control over and something that you own. So last week, the challenge was to stop going to church and set down roots right? Spend some time here. Come for a few months. Make Sunday mornings a priority and try to figure out what God wants to do in your life and what role Collective can help play in that. And I just want to give a shout out to everyone who took one of those Next Steps last week. A bunch of you signed up for Next that DJ just talked about. Seriously, if you are new to Collective, you should come hang out with me and Danielle and learn more about this church and how you can get involved We'd love to meet you and answer any single question that you have. Last week, 10 people checked the box to join a team or join a small group. I had people reach out to me and ask, hey, if I don't start in Revelation in the Bible, what should I start reading first? In fact, some of you actually gave financially for the first time, all because you realized you were simply going to church and you were ready to move out of that place of being in the middle. And that's so encouraging. But some of you walked away last week and you asked yourself, Am I lukewarm in my faith? And you weren't really sure. And rightly so, you started to ask yourself, what does cold look like? What does hot look like? A year ago, I felt hot, but have I cooled down a bit? Is it time for me to take another step and try to move toward being even hotter? And some of you are kind of like Elise, where you are mentally walking back and forth trying to figure out if you want to be hotter or colder. So the next two weeks, I'm gonna share some of the things that we learned from the early church when it comes to a faith that is hot, a faith that is de- devoted, a faith that is a priority. And again, I'm going to challenge you to move closer to that. Side note, we are a high-challenge church. There will not be a week that you come to Collective where there isn't an application that you can really wrestle with. So if you are looking for a church that simply gives you information that doesn't actually lead to transformation, or if you are looking for a church where the pastor pumps you up every Sunday because you follow Jesus and it's those other people who need to hear these sermons, this isn't going to go well for you, and I'm sorry. But if you are here because you are genuinely seeking out faith or you want to grow in your faith or you at least want to wrestle with your faith or just simply see if faith is for you, you belong here. So my favorite book of the Bible is the book of Acts. And the reason why I love this book is because it's all about the start of the church. And so if you want to know what the church is all about, how it began, how it spread throughout the world, read the book of Acts in the New Testament. And for those of you who maybe feel like you've been burned by church before, this book will help you see what God intended the church to be. And I believe that'll lead to some healing for some of the past pain that you feel. And this book begins right after Jesus resurrected from the dead. And when he did that, he didn't just stick around for a few hours or even a few days in order to prove that he conquered death. He was on earth for 40 days teaching and encouraging his disciples and proving to them that he did in fact resurrect. And then Luke writes in the book of Acts that Jesus ascends into heaven and the first post-Jesus church service to ever take place happens 10 days later. And during it, Peter is preaching to a crowd of thousands and this is what he says, People of Israel, listen. God publicly endorsed Jesus the Nazarene by doing powerful miracles, wonders, and signs through him, as you well know. But God knew what would happen, and his pre-rage plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed. With the help of lawless Gentiles, you nailed him to a cross and killed him. So God's plan was to send his son Jesus to be the Savior of the world. God's plan was to was to have Jesus die so that our sins could be forgiven. But God released him from the horrors of death and raised him back to life for death could not keep its grip, keep him in its grip. And just like God planned, Jesus came back, right? He resurrected. But then Peter says this, skipping ahead a few verses, it says, "God raised Jesus from the dead, and we are all witnesses of this." Peter says, we saw him with our own eyes. We had meals with him. We touched his wounds. We sat with him and we learned from him. And upon hearing what Peter was preaching and literally seeing people who witnessed the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, something clicked for the crowd. And this was when thousands of people realized that they truly did believe what Peter was saying, that Jesus was the son of God, that he lived a perfect life before dying on a cross but then resurrected three days later to prove that death could not stop him and that his promises of new life, his promises of grace, his promises of salvation were real. The story continues. Peter's words pierced their hearts. And they said to him and to the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn toward God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And this is why we talk about baptism at Collective, right? This is why we celebrate baptism at Collective. This is why baptism is on the digital connection card, because baptism is important, right? And the first church service that ever existed post-Jesus focused on two things, proof that Jesus is the Son of God who resurrected from the dead, and baptism as a response to that belief, right? And with this series being all about next steps, for some of you, that's your next step, That's, That's the next thing that you need to do is to publicly declare your faith in Jesus. And so if you know what it feels like to be pierced to the heart by that message and you are ready to take that next step, we want you to check the baptism box in your digital connection card. But what I really want to focus on is what happened next. So right after this moment, Peter and the other disciples baptized thousands of people. And then Luke continues all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Do you know what Luke is describing? The church. Right? They learned together. They prayed together. They took communion together. They cared for the community together. They ate meals together. They worshiped together. They were generous together. They celebrated together. So what's the common theme here? Together. It's together. Church and faith are not a solo thing. They're not. And yes, your faith is your own faith, and you have to own that, right? You have to own your growth. Faith is personal, but faith is predicated on community, right? Growing in our faith and pursuing faith are not meant to be done in isolation, and so last week, the application was to stop going to church and set down roots. And here's what I want you to write down today. Stop going to church and choose community. Stop going to church and choose community. And if you've been around Collective for a while, this isn't the first time you've heard me talk about the need for community. Right? Multiple times a year, I will teach on the truth that we aren't meant to do life alone. I will teach on the truth that we need healthy community. And I do this because we need to keep hearing it. In 2019, English Prime Minister Theresa May created a new role in the British government called the Minister of Loneliness. And by minister, they don't mean like a church minister. It's it's a politician who heads up a department in the government, right? They have a whole governmental department to combat loneliness because in 2017, a report came out that showed nine million people in that country often or always feel lonely. That's one out of every six people. It's even worse in the United States, though. Loneliness is emerging as a public health epidemic in the US, according to recent surveys. Almost half of Americans, including large numbers of the country's oldest and youngest adults, are lonely. Studies have linked loneliness to higher rates of chronic diseases and mental health conditions. Loneliness increases chronic inflammation and suppresses immunity. The detrimental health effects of loneliness have been likened to smoking 15 cigarettes a day. In 2019, a study conducted by Cigna set out to determine what's driving those high rates of loneliness. Unsurprisingly, it found that social media, when used so much that it infringes on face-to-face quality time, was tied to greater loneliness. It also found that having meaningful in-person interactions, reporting high levels of social support, and being in a committed relationship were associated with less loneliness. So whether it comes from friends or family members or a church or a spouse, having community is strongly associated with better mental and physical health. Being in healthy community can lower stress levels, improve mood, encourage positive health behaviors, boost cardiovascular health, improve illness recovery rates, and aid virtually in everything in between. Research has even shown that a social component can boost the effects of already healthy behaviors, such as exercise. This is why so many people do CrossFit. No one actually wants to do the running sandwich. This is a real thing, I had to look it up. I'm not a CrossFitter. It's a quarter mile run followed by 40 air squats, 30 sit-ups, 20 burpees, 10 pull-ups, and then another quarter mile run. It's insane. But one of the reasons why CrossFit is so popular is because it's not just about exercise, it's about community. And studies show that the benefits of exercising are boosted when you are doing it with other people. Right, shout out to all the CrossFitters here, you guys are awesome and incredible. Another study done by UCLA professor Matthew Lieberman showed that the need to connect socially with others is as basic as our need for food, water, and shelter. And I found this fascinating, this is what he wrote. Lieberman found that mammals are more socially connected than reptiles, primates more than other mammals, and humans more than primates. And what this suggests is that becoming more socially connected is essential to our survival. And here's the thing. All of these studies were done before 2020, right? These are all pre-COVID studies. And all last year did was prove that when put into isolation and taken away from our communities, we struggle. Right? We struggle, and the effects of that are detrimental to our mental, emotional, spiritual, and physical health. And the solution to this, as the studies show, is to intentionally carve out time for family and friends. It's to choose community, to find enjoyable or activities like exercising, volunteering, or sharing meals together. It's being part of a church community And so I'm talking about moving from just showing up on Sunday to setting down roots and choosing community, because here's something that's true about Collective. It's really easy to be anonymous in this church if you want to be. When starting Collective, I designed this church with the introvert in mind, In fact, I'm lucky enough that I get to teach other pastors and church planners about how to create better church environments. And I'm not sure why I get to do that. I'm definitely not an expert on this. But for the past three years, I've been able to coach church planners, and I've been able to speak at conferences and pastor retreats on doing church better. And one of the things that I teach people is that they should design their church environments with the introvert in mind. And here's why. An extrovert will walk into a church, church, and they will just wander all over the place. They will open doors that they aren't supposed to. They will touch the seats when they walk in. They'll go and they'll sit in one seat for a few moments, and they'll get up and they'll walk to the other side of the room just to see what it feels like over there. They'll walk up to the t-shirts after church, and they'll touch them to see if there actually are the softest shirts on the planet. They'll walk up to the Frederick map, and they'll point out where their home is. No one's listening. They just want everybody to know where they live. They will meet people, they will make friends, they will check the boxes on the digital connection card the first week they're here. That's what introverts do, right? Introverts, you know, you don't need signs, you just figure out where to go, right? You are comfortable when you walk in and you want to be with other people, right? If you're an extrovert, this place gives you energy. But that's not how introverts work. I'm an introvert, so I know this. If Ray and I are out of town and visiting one of our supporting churches or if we're simply just going to a great church that we wanna learn from, before I go, I will look the church up online because I wanna see pictures to figure out what people are wearing. I will Google Maps the parking lot to figure out where to park. I will read every sign. I will follow every direction given to me. I will walk into the building and I will immediately go find a seat even if I have to pee because I don't want to have to wash my hands next to someone and make small talk because I am incapable of doing that. I will sit in the back. I will take notes. I will stand during worship and even if I want to sing, I probably won't because I don't want the people around me to hear me. In fact, that's one of the reasons why we play the music at the volume we do. Who wants their neighbor to hear them singing? No one. I mean, extroverts, you do, but come on, right? Church will end and I will not go get a T-shirt. I will not fill out a connection card until I've been here for multiple weeks. And after church, I will go and I will sit in my car and I will process this for a very long time, right? So if you're an extrovert, when you come to Collective, we know that you'll figure it out. But if you're an introvert, this space was designed with you in mind so that you can get comfortable at your own pace. That's intentional, You can be as anonymous as you want to be here. And it's very easy to quietly and anonymously attend collective in person and online. But I want to remind you that church and faith are not meant to be done solo. If you want the best of what Jesus has to offer, if you want the best of faith, if you want the best of this church, it's done in community. Listen, I'm not telling you that you need to find your best friends here, but some of you might. I'm not telling you if you're single, you will find a spouse here, although we just celebrated our first collective wedding this spring, maybe a few more on the way. What I'm saying is that we need to be around people that are for us, We need to be around people that care for us. We need to be around people who will pray for us. We need to be around people that we can serve alongside. We need to be around people who think differently than us so we can grow as individuals or at least see another side of a conversation. We need to be around people who allow us to be real about our mess and our brokenness. And if you are just simply going to church, that will not happen. And maybe it's not loneliness for you, Maybe it's about being a part of something that's bigger than you as an individual. Stop going to church and choose community. And there are two main ways that we talk about this every single week at Collective. The first is joining a collective, which is one of our small groups. These groups get together to talk about the sermon topic from Sunday. They read the main Bible verses and then it's opened up for discussion. And the reason we do it this way is because Sunday morning shouldn't be the end of the conversation for you. Church, shouldn't be about me telling you things and you going, okay, and leaving. You need to take time every single week to digest this. You need to take time every single week to read what we are talking about and figure out what that means for you. You should have questions. You should have next steps that you want to wrestle with. You should even have disagreements, and that's okay. But if you simply go home and don't take space to talk about those things, it's just not going to work. It's not going to be as good. So these groups get together to dig dig deeper into what we are learning in this space. We have groups that meet in person and online. We have groups that do dinner and groups that just drink beer. We have groups that are early and groups that are late. We have groups that are people in Frederick, and we have people that are out of state. Shout out to all of our Florida and Carolina people who are watching today. We have groups that are just for student, and it is growing like crazy because if you are a middle schooler or high schooler, you need community and you should be a part of this. Right? And it doesn't matter where you are in your faith. You don't have to be a follower of Jesus to be a part of these groups. You just have to want community. The second way you stop going to church and choose community is by joining the team. Right? And I'm not gonna lie, groups are great for community, but the team is better and just is. Psychology Today says that serving alongside other people actually strengthens communities and creates bonds built on purpose and joy. Serving together also increases self-confidence and combats depression. Right? And when we look at the early church, serving others was core to their mission. Right? Part of the reason why Christianity spread so rapidly was because a group of people focused on serving others instead of themselves. Right? And this makes sense because God wired us to be in community, and he wired us to love and serve others. Right? So if you're a musician, check the box and try out for the band. If you love kids, serve in collective kids. If you want to meet people, you're just want you an extrovert, join the connections team. If you want to serve the people that are serving people, join the breakfast team. You heard that right. We have a breakfast team at Collective. They bring hot breakfast on Sunday mornings as a way of loving the people that are serving that day. We have a facilities team that comes in during the week, and they clean this building so you guys can have a better experience on Sunday mornings. We have a medical and security team where professionals in those fields serve to make sure that we have safe Sunday mornings. Ultimately, it doesn't matter who you are, where you live, or even what you believe. There is a place for you to be a part of a community that desires to make a difference. And students, if you are a middle schooler or a high schooler, I just wanna talk to you for a second you can choose community as well, right? You can join the youth collective. You can join the team and serve on Sunday mornings. And I know that might create some tension with your parents, but you don't have to wait for them to take a next step in your faith. You don't. First Timothy 4.12 says, don't let anyone think less of you because you are young. Be an example to all, the, all believers in what you say, in the way you live, in your love, your faith, and your purity. So students, you can lead by example. And parents, we talked about this last week, but you make decisions that will have a lifelong impact on the faith of your children. And one of the best things that you can do for their faith is to create space for them to get involved in church. Countless studies have shown that middle schoolers and high schoolers who attend and serve in church are more likely to stay engaged with that faith after graduating. Parents, you need to set up your kids for success and allow them to stop going to church and choose community. When I first started writing this message, the title and application were actually a little bit different. I thought about making it stop going to church and find community. But I realized that it's not about finding community. It exists. Real, authentic, life-giving, world-changing community exists. It's not perfect. And it will never be because it's made up of us. But the type of community that you need and are designed for is here. So instead of finding it like it's lost, you need to choose it. We need to choose learning together. We need to choose praying together. We need to choose caring for the community together. Choose meals together. Choose worshiping together. Choose generosity together. Choose celebrating together. Stop going to church and find community, choose community. (laughs) Let's pray. God, we, um, I think all of us feel this like stress and this baggage and um, to be honest, God, if we're calling it what it is, some pain and some PTSD after a year of being alone, and God, we did everything we could to connect. You know, we watched church online and, you know, we tried to FaceTime with our family members or, you know, maybe we drove by and, like, waved at our neighbors. But God, after doing that for a whole year, we, we know that something's not right. God, that we aren't well. God, that there's pain that we feel from being alone. And God, it's because you didn't design us to do that. God you didn't create people to be in isolation. God, you didn't create people to do faith in church and community alone. And God, we feel that. God, that's something that I wake up everyday feeling a little bit lonely and wondering, how do we get out of that place? And God, we believe that's one of the reasons why you created the church. God, because to be honest, it would have been way easier. The individual 12 disciples just went out and did their own thing. It would have been less messy, less chaotic. God, it would have depended on one person instead of a community of people. But God, that's not what you wanted. You wanted this. You wanted this group of messy and broken people. God, you wanted people who are all over the place in their faith to come together and do church with one another. God, you wanted us to choose community. So God, I pray that we do that this week. God, for those people who are watching or listening that feel lost and lonely, um, God, that they know that this church exists so that they can be a part of something and they don't have to do this stuff alone. God, that they can come with their, their doubts and their questions and even their skepticism and still find a group of people that love and care for them. God, thank you that you created the church. God, thank you that we get to do this together because um, God, to be honest, it's, it's not as good alone. God, we thank you and love you and pray these things in your name. Amen.